We live in an over-communicated society. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter where you are, there is noise everywhere. There are billboards up and down the road. There are stores that are flashing and trying to get you to come in and to partake with whatever product they are selling. The television is blaring 24-7. When I was a child, there was only three radio, uh, three TV stations. That's all that we had. Today, there are hundreds of them. And then there is the radio. And then we also have these streaming, streaming services. It used to be that if you wanted to listen to music, you, you know, you had to wait your turn. You had to wait till the radio station cycled through till that song came up again. Or if you really wanted to listen to it over and over again, you had to go down to the store and buy an album and then you could play it as much as you want. Today, we have On Demand on-demand movies just click a button and it shows up in a matter of seconds in your bedroom or your living room we have on-demand music you can set up your own playlist on your mobile device and you can listen immediately and as often as you want and so we have television we have the radio and then we have the internet Facebook, billions of people are on Facebook streaming, just streams upon streams, and people just sit and and just idle through all of this information. If that's not enough, we have Twitter and LinkedIn. Don't forget about Instagram and Snapchat, too, and there are scores of others of social media platforms that you can get on. And then there is email, and there is texting, we live in an over-communicated society. It is also a distracted society. Not only have we created more information, in the last two years there was a study done that says that we have produced more information in the past two years than we have in the entire collective history of humanity. It's hard to fathom that much information that we have produced over the past couple of years. But we also live in a distracted society. There is so much noise going on in our lives. Now, let's say that you have a ministry. Let's say that you want to reach someone with your ideas, your ministry. You want to evangelize. You want to take the gospel forward but our minds are so full and so distracted of information that you can't get any you can't get any time with your constituency it reminds me after my mother passed away in 2015 she was a pack rat a pack rat is a individual who uh, she had three 12 by 12 buildings out behind her house and they were packed full of junk full of stuff after she passed away, we, we went to her home, my childhood home, and we opened up those buildings. And when you open the door, the stuff that she had in those buildings was flush with the door from floor to ceiling. I'm telling the truth. You could not step inside those rooms because those little 12 by 12 buildings were packed full of junk. And that's the way our minds are. Now, let's suppose that you do have that ministry. Let's suppose you do want to reach out to a neighbor. 
let's suppose that you are a local church and you want to penetrate the culture that's surrounding your church and you want to grow your church for God's fame, but you can't penetrate the market, the marketplace, so to speak. Well, I want to talk about that in this podcast because people do come to us regularly. It's a common question about building websites and about branding and about Uh, setting a vibe and a tone for their ministry in such a way that it resonates with the people who are reading or perusing their content. There is a way of doing that. There's a way of doing it well, and there's a way of doing it poorly. And unfortunately, there are zillions of bloggers that are out there, that Christian bloggers I'm talking about, that nobody's reading their material Nobody's coming. It was just them and their family that reads their blog post, a handful of friends, because it doesn't connect with the audience at large. It doesn't resonate well. There are counselors that way, too. Nobody comes to them. They don't know how to connect well with their audience. And, of course, there are churches. Many churches are dying, and there's been so many reports over the past decade of churches that are folding that are dying because they have lost their relevancy now perhaps you could say that you know god is the one that raises up an individual and puts down another and i know that's true but i don't want to come at this podcast from a sovereignty of god perspective we get that we can check that box yeah no doubt god raises people up god puts people down God blesses this person and doesn't bless the other person. I truly do understand that. But I want to talk about this idea of reaching the culture and being relevant from a human perspective, a human responsibility perspective, because we are not passive, non-animated robots in our relationship with God. Christianity is not a spectator sport. We have a responsibility to, to not only learn, but also to understand the culture in which we live and to know how to connect with our culture. And so I want to talk about that in this podcast. My name is Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for Life Over Coffee. This is the podcast where we deal with all sorts of topics. Sometimes it's about sanctification. It's about how to put off and to renew your mind and to put on. Sometimes it's about these ideas here, how to reach the culture with the gospel. And I want to introduce a word to you in this podcast. And if you want to read my show notes, then I would encourage you to go to episode 190 of the Life Over Coffee series. And you can read episode 190, the show notes that I have here, which is a skeletal outline of the things that I'm going to share with you right now. And the title of the podcast is Why You Need to Understand Positioning Marketing. Now let me explain what positioning is. I want you to go back to my mother's 12 by 12 building that is packed full of information, (laughs) packed full of stuff. And I want you to think about that as a person's mind, that their minds are we live in an over, over-communicated society, and we are distracted like nobody's business. And you come along, and you want to introduce Jesus to somebody. Or perhaps you're trying to connect with a counselee, and you want to connect with that individual. Or maybe you're starting a counseling ministry, or maybe you're starting something entirely different. You're selling widgets to your community. 
But it doesn't matter if you're selling widgets or if you're trying to evangelize or you're trying to disciple somebody. It doesn't matter in this sense. You have to understand how to connect with that audience because you can't push something new into their mind if their mind is already full of of information and they are distracted. Therefore, what you want to do is you want to position what you have in their mind. So let me explain to you what that means. There are two parts to positioning. Part one, step one, positioning, is the process of understanding what already resonates in a person's thinking. And so as you look in that 12 by 12 building of a person's mind and you see 5,000 articles of clothing, you pick one, you see one, and then you use that. Rather than trying to add a a totally, completely new piece in their mind, you identify what's already pre-existing in their mind. That's point one. I'm going to illustrate this. I'll give you three illustrations in just a moment. But you identify what is already pre-existing in their mind, and then you take what you have to say and you connect it to that. You connect it to that. That's what positioning is. And so in one sense, you're not creating anything new for the over-communicated, distracted person. You're not creating anything new, but you're taking what they already know and you're adding a little twist to it as you bring the message of Christ to them. Now, let me give you three illustrations of what I'm talking about. I want to give you a an illustration from the world. I want to give you an illustration from the Bible. Did you know that Paul understood this idea of positioning marketing? He did. He didn't call it that, but he had enough he had enough common sense and enough of Holy Spirit illumination to know how to do the exact thing that I'm sharing with you now. And so I'll give you a secular illustration, I'll give you a Bible illustration, and then I'll give you a discipleship illustration. Here's an illustration from the world. In the early 1970s, there was this new there was this company that wanted to introduce a new soft drink. Guess what? The market was already glutted with soft drink. Coca-Cola dominated the market. Everybody knew what Coca-Cola was because Coca-Cola was first to market in the early 1900s, and they had been advertising for 40 or 50 years. And now here we are in the early 1970s, and a company wants to introduce a new soft drink. Well, guess what? Our minds were already full. There was no room to introduce something new. And so what this company, this new soda company did, this was brilliant. They took the word cola because that's what everybody knew, and they attached two letters in front of the word cola. The two letters were U-N. And their first marketing campaign was the Uncola. And that was the first marketing campaign for 7-Up. It was brilliant. Rather than creating something new, they took what was already resident in the mind of virtually every American, cola, because Coca-Cola had done a remarkable job in dominating the market. And they knew that they couldn't penetrate and push a new idea into the consumer's minds. And so they took what they already knew, cola, 
put two letters in front of it, the Uncola, and 7-Up's market share went through the roof. Mar, uh, Paul did a similar thing in Acts 17 when he was going up Mars Hill. He wanted to introduce Jehovah to a bunch of unregenerate people. They had these inscriptions to every kind of God imaginable, and then he saw this one, Paul saw this inscription to the unknown God. And when he saw that, what he did, he said, oh, okay, now I'm paraphrasing here. Okay, you, you know who God is. You know what a God is. You know what cola is. And so rather than creating something new, he attached his idea, what he wanted to teach, what he wanted to share with these people. Let me introduce the unknown God to you. And it wasn't a stretch for them. They knew there was an unknown God already. Paul knew who he was. And so Paul connected the unknown God in the mind where they were that already pre-existed in their minds. So 7-Up did it. They connected their new idea to something that was pre-existing. Paul connected what he wanted to share to something that was pre-existing. He positioned it. Now, here's an illustration in counseling. Let's suppose that you're counseling a teenager. You could also say you're counseling a rebellious teenager. It would be like oil and water. You are oil and the teenager, <laughs> the teenager is water. And you can't relate to him. Now, I hear, I've heard Christians say this many times, that, that I don't know how to relate to this person. And what they're saying is, is that I don't, I don't know how to connect what I want to say with that person's mind, with their thinking. I don't know how to take the practical message of, of Christ and, and put it in their mind to where it would connect in such a way that it would resonate. This is exactly what I'm talking about now. And I want to tell you that that is bogus, that you are absolutely wrong. You do know how to connect with any person in the world. And if you disqualify yourself from helping somebody, then you don't understand the very thing that I am teaching here. I have an Ill a graphic here, an infographic, that's titled 12 Universal Assumptions About Anyone. This is part of our teaching in our Mastermind program. And what I tell our Mastermind students is, is that you can make biblical accurate assumptions about every person that you make uh, that you meet because at the level of the heart we're all the same nobody is different at the level of the heart my life's different from yours my external life my behavioral life where i live geographically the color of my skin, my parents, where I went to school. I mean, you could list a thousand things that would make me externally, behaviorally different from you and from you and the next person. But where you disciple someone is not in their behaviors. Primarily, you disciple people at the level, level of their hearts. And when you go below the surface of a person's life, we all came from the same, we were all cut from the same Adamic cloth, meaning that we are all very similar underneath the surface. Let me give you six commonalities, six things that you struggle with to one degree or another, and six things that I struggle with. Shame, guilt, fear, comfort, 
a desire to control, and self-reliance. That's just six. This infographic says there are 12 universal assumptions that you can make about anyone, and there are more than that, actually, but I teach 12 in this particular infographic. And so it doesn't matter who you're talking to. Everybody has tendencies, temptations, weaknesses that are associated with these six ideas, self-reliance, control, Comfort, we desire comfort, fear, guilt, and shame. That's already in the 12 by 12 building. That's already in their minds. And so all you have to do, like what 7up did, Coca-Cola is already in the mind. And so now you have to creatively take what you want to share and connect it to what is pre-existing in this counselee's mind. This is episode 190, Why You Need to Understand Positioning Marketing. Now, sometimes when I talk to Christians about this type of idea of branding, marketing, reaching your culture, this culture, not the culture of 1970 or 1950, but this culture, there are two errors in their thinking or two reactions that I hear. One is the reaction of, well, you're just talking about the seeker-sensitive movement where you just become all things to all people. Well, if that is your understanding of what I am saying, then you do not understand what I am saying, and I have yet to be as clear as I need to be. And then there is this other group of people. They are traditionalists. They don't change. This group of people believes that Paul preached in a rectangular red brick building with a white steeple on top. If it was good enough for Paul, it was good enough for me, and I am not going to ever change. And so we have the people that are adapting so much that they compromise the message of Christ. That is the great error of the seeker-sensitive movement, and I am not saying that at all. And then there are those who are just stubborn, or they are afraid, or, or something. They're legalist, and they don't change at all, and they're using methods from 1950 that worked well in 1950. But they are not reaching today's culture because they are ir- irrelevant. Now, unfortunately, many Christians can be about 20 years behind the culture. When you look at the methods that they use, you look at some of their websites, their websites look like Paphras and uh, the fonts are, they're just really ugly and they don't connect well with our modern culture. And, and some of these people, they, they don't know how to relate well. They don't know how to keep up with the times or they just don't they just don't want to. I want to give you a principle that will help you. And I hope I just pray that the Lord will help you to understand this. And it's this. Don't fall in love with your methods. Don't fall in love with your methods, but fall in love with your mission. Can you tell the difference with what I just said between method and mission? Don't fall in love with your method but fall in love with your mission. If you keep your mission in view, you are willing to adapt your methods in an ever-changing world that will keep you relevant, expanding, and influencing 
let me give you a couple of illustrations of this. Traditional biblical counseling. When people think about biblical counseling, many times they think about a guy wearing a white shirt, a necktie, sitting behind a big desk with a large Bible open, and that is biblical counseling. Now, there's not anything necessarily wrong with that. I'm not saying that you should stop that necessarily. But, the, but are, are you familiar with the redemptive use of technology? Are you aware that more than 70% of our culture has a, a powerful computer in their pocket called a, a mobile phone? Are you aware that our culture has shifted from traditional means of consuming content to consuming content on mobile devices? Are you aware that people are reading more today than they have ever read in the history of humanity? But here's the difference. They are not reading traditionally, meaning they're not reading books exclusively. People are reading more than they have ever read before, but they are reading differently than they have ever read before. Meaning that if we want to reach our culture, we have to go where the culture is. Now, we can complain about it. We can complain about 2007 when Steve Jobs basically turned the world upside down when he introduced the iPhone. And I can go on and on about the dangers of technology. I get it. I see it virtually every day. It is a big problem. But if you stay away from it, and if you're not moving with the culture redemptively, then you're actually truncating the message of Christ. You're actually hurting yourself and the reach that you could have because you're being, because you've fallen in love with your methods. The methods that worked in 2000 or 1990 or 1980, many of those methods do not work. And this is why if you hear, if you hear what you're hearing me say, is that you're talking about the seeker-sensitive movement, this is where you're misunderstanding. I am not saying anything about altering the message. I'm not saying anything about changing the gospel. I'm not saying anything about loosening up on theological precision. That would be heretical. It would be blasphemous. It would, it would be unbiblical to alter the gospel, to minimize theological precision that's your mission but what i'm talking about is your method and so here's the fundamental idea again don't fall in love with your methods but fall in love with your mission now do you know what your mission is do you have a clear mission i want to finish this podcast by walking you through what our mission is and how our mission, that we build our methodology around our mission. Our mission, our mission statement, clearly stated, states, says that we are helping people by providing practical tools and ongoing training for effective living. That's our mission. Our mission is to help people by providing practical tools and ongoing training for effective living. When we started in 2008, that's our mission. That's our mission today. And by the grace of God, our mission will never change. We are dead center on this, and we don't deviate helping people by providing practical tools and ongoing training for effective living. Now, let me tell you about our method. Our methods evolve every week, <laughs> really. Uh, 
our methods change every month. Some of them. There's always tweaks to our method. Every year, we are adapting as we are learning how to help folks, how to understand where they are, and how to reach them with our undeviating mission. We want to learn what God is doing in our culture. We want to appropriate God's common grace, like say, through technology that will aid us in reaching people in the way that they want to be reached. Now, we can complain about how they want to be reached. We can complain about that uh, all they're doing is staying on their phones, or we can begin to discern. It's like, okay, well, if this is where they are, then I want to learn how to reach them where they are. By the way, that has never changed. That's called being a missionary. Sometimes you will hear me say that we are cyber missionaries. I say that for that reason. We've never changed from being missionaries but we're cyber missionaries now. Facebook is a cyber community that is different from this other village over here called Twitter. Uh, we also reach people in non-traditional means in counseling. We meet through the internet many times. We use technology to counsel people or to coach people. We are always changing our method, but we are never changing our mission. Now, this idea of positioning, I want to go back and, and talk about how we relate to people according to our mission by positioning what we have to say in the minds of individuals. Well, our mission statement says that we help people by providing practical tools and ongoing training for effective living. You could say that we're helping people. And so when we begin to think about our brand and our vibe and our feel and our methodology, well, the big centerpiece, the big thing that we're doing is that we're helping people. We're not helping robots. We're not selling widgets. We're not selling toothpaste. We're helping people to live effective lives. And because we're helping people, then we want to start thinking relationally. Okay, well, we want to relate to people. And so we want to build a brand, a vibe, a ministry that is relatable, that is people relating to people, a discipleship ministry. And so what we chose a long time ago when we first started is, is what, what would be the best metaphor that we could build our brand around that would resonate with people? And the word that we chose was the word coffee. Our entire brand, our ministry, is built around this metaphor of coffee. And what I mean by that is coffee has a feel and a vibe to it that we want to emulate. It's two people sitting in a coffee shop talking about their problems, one person helping another person. It's two human beings relating, and coffee has that vibe to it. And so it's like if you took a piece of paper and you wrote the word coffee in the center of it and then began to write out a, a, a cloud of words around that idea of coffee, then you would begin to get the feel and the vibe of how we position ourselves in the minds of people because people get it. They relate to us. They understand what we're trying to do, and it resonates with them, people helping people.
And so, for example, every photograph on our website is a relationship-type photograph. It's not Photoshopped or it's not computer-generated, meaning it's not fake. It's not fake because we are a relationship ministry. We are real people helping real people, so it's not fake. Our logo for our ministry, rickthomas.net, is my signature. This is how I write. If you look at my logo, you see how I write. Why? Because I'm a real person. Again, it is realism. It's communicating real people, helping real people, not computer-generated, not fake stuff. Our photographs communicate this feel, this, this vibe. Our colors, for example, brown and blue and red and yellow, have this warmth feel to it. And so everything around our ministry... And it doesn't matter if you're on Facebook or you're on Twitter or Instagram. You, you have this same feel. It's like going from room to room to room in your house where everything's color-coordinated and everything's tied in together. And so no matter how you're introduced to our ministry, you're introduced to this one idea. And people relate to that. Our writing is relatable. It speaks to real issues that are in people's lives. What we're trying to do is not to introduce something new to an individual, but we're trying to connect what we want to do with something that's already resonant in the person's mind. And in this case, it's people helping people. And so we brand ourselves that way. This is episode 190. And if you want to talk more about this, come to rickthomas.net. And we would love to help you to be able to reach your culture more effectively. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.